0: Hi there and thanks for listening to the adulting is easy podcast this is lauren and i manage the adulting is easy blog and podcast which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. today i'm joined by a guest katherine hotter esquire she's an estate planning attorney turned author she enjoys working with families who would rather be doing anything else than estate planning Catherine's book estate planning for the sandwich generation how to help your parents and protect your kids kids debuted at number one Uh, on Amazon as a bestseller. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Lauren. As always, our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for the listeners by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, um, Catherine and I are going to discuss the five talks you should have with your parents. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? Okay,
1: well, um, I wrote the book because um, I was an estate planning attorney uh, working with families who had young children that they were caring for, as well as uh, aging parents that they were concerned about. So I understood a lot of those issues, um, and I wanted to break it down for people. I also lived that um, because before I was an estate planning attorney, my father had a 10-year battle with Alzheimer's disease, so... um, I was an attorney actually in corporate and banking, but, um, seeing how his estate planning documents helped him throughout his illness really woke me up to how important this is. So I changed my practice and, um, focused on educating other people about how proper estate planning helps you through a lot of things during your life and, Um, I had a practice in South Florida doing that. And then um, I fast forward, moved to California with my family and decided to write a book about it.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm sorry to hear about your father. Um, I'm sure you've helped a lot of families since you changed your practice. And I think in personal finance, people understand I should save, I should invest, I need to be ready to retire but i think estate planning is something that is not really considered enough so i love that you wrote that book and i loved reading it it was so palatable and it really got me thinking about things that i need to do and literally conversations i need to have with my parents um yep. so again thanks for thanks for joining me i'm looking forward to talking about these five talks um these are they're uncomfortable topics because we have to face our mortality and our parents mortality But they're so important. So, uh, before we dive into each one, why don't you tell us what the five talks are? Well, um, the five
1: conversations you should have with your family um, are are the financial talk, the healthcare talk, the aging talk, the end of life talk, and the family legacy talk. And these are not something that you sit down and do all at once. But you know, maybe break it up, or depending on the circumstance, it might be a you know. a family members hospitalized, and maybe it's a good idea to talk to your parents about, hey, you know, we see how um, the hospital is handling the aunt's care. Let's talk about, you know, what would happen if you were in a similar circumstance. Um, So, you know, it's 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 not something where you have to you know have a seminar with with your parents, but you know, find different opportunities to cover these five talks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good point. Um, and I like how your book was structured because you started with um, like the 10 things you need to do from your own estate planning perspective. Yes. And I like that because you can even use what you are doing to have conversations with your parents. And I, I, what I loved about your book were was definitely the conversation starters that you included in there mm-hmm. and all of the sample questions that you included as well, I thought were really valuable.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, it is a difficult Um, Like, as you mentioned, you know, people are, it's uncomfortable to like sort of contemplate our mortality, but um, what I hope in reading the book, people realize is that it's not for when you die, but there's all sorts of situations throughout your lifetime where having your family understand what your wishes are can be very helpful.
0: Yeah. It's so much more than a will basically Mm -hmm. is what I learned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So should we start with the financial talk? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah,
1: because that covers obviously a lot of uh, different things. And, um, you know, one thing I should preface is that, you know, talking and I I mentioned this book about talking with your parents about money can be sometimes more uncomfortable than talking about sex. So, um, you know, parents could either be very withholding about what they have, afraid that you're trying to be. You know, grabbing their money, or um, they may not be comfortable with the financial decisions they've made, um, or they just firmly believe like they're the parent, you're the child, and it's really none of your business. But I think it's important to um, convey to your parents that uh, you need to understand, or at least, if not understand, but at least know where to go, that if they're hospitalized and are unable to communicate, you know who is going to be paying the bills, um, who makes sure taxes are being taken care of. Um, you know, what are certain passwords, you know, our, our parents' generations, um, you know, it, it was common where like one spouse would have all the financial information. The other spouse was happy that they would take care of it all. And, um, and that's something that happened, um, personally where my father took care of, all the financial decisions, manage the money because he was a banker made sense. My mother was happy for him to take that role on. And he was hospitalized for three months, um, you know, before his, uh, battle with Alzheimer's. And I would say to my mom, Hey, you know, I know he pays quarterly taxes cause he's retired. Are those being paid? And she sort of looked at me like she didn't know what I was talking about. So, wow. you know, um, I, you know, it's something that, uh, it's helpful before a crisis to kind of understand what your parents have and how they want things handled. And and that's something you should also preface with anything you say, you know, when you're talking to them and saying, look, look, I want to care for you the way you want to be cared for. I want to handle the finances the way you tell me to handle finances. And, um, you know, when my father did get out of the hospital, he was asking me like, well, who's managing the money? I mean, that was very much on his mind. And I said, well, you showed me what, you know, you had it all laid out and I just followed your instructions.
0: Yeah. And it's good that your dad had that set up before then. I would imagine sometimes it's those kinds of crises that lead to the wake up call. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's also a good opportunity to talk about like, hey, you know, you were in the hospital for a week. What if it was a longer stay? What if, you know, you were in a coma and we couldn't talk to you about what you needed done, you know, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the financial talk, it's knowing Basically, what the assets are, where they are, what the expenses are, what the bills are, right? Things like that.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 uh, and it doesn't have to be so detailed, but sort of like, hey, if bills need to be paid, how do you pay it? Do you do checkbook? Are they done on autopay? Um, so nothing falls through the cracks. Um, you know, where do you bank and, um, you know, who, who do you like sort of, you know, who is, if you have a financial advisor, you know, who is that person? Um, Things that are important to your parent about how they handle their money, you should be clued in on.
0: Right. That's, that's a good point too. If they have a financial advisor to be cued in with that, I hadn't thought about that before. So moving on then from the financial talk, what about the healthcare talk? This was one that I think I kind of knew existed my grandfather had a very long battle with um dementia as well and i, re- I remember them having a dnr or something along those lines on the fridge so I, I think in the back of my mind i understood that these documents were important um but I never gave a whole lot of thought to it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the healthcare conversation that you need to have? Okay, well,
1: DNR is more, which is means do not resuscitate, and that's more for an end of life talk. Oh, the yeah. healthcare talk actually is is more basic. Um, it's, hey, uh, do you have a list of medications do you that you take? Um, so if you're if you're you know incapacitated, I know what. Prescriptions that need to be refilled, or need to tell your doctor, you know, these are the current things you're taking. Um, you know, certain things of how, you know, do you have certain preferences of who your doctors are? Where do you want to be hospitalized? Um, who has, who can make medical decisions for you? And, and just to jump back to the financial talk, in talking about the finances, one question you should ask is, Who's going to step into your shoes if you can't do what you do? And that can be covered with what's called a power of attorney or a durable power of attorney or a financial power of attorney, where basically um, your parent would name somebody, either their spouse or um, a child, as their power of attorney. So if they're unable to handle the finances, they could step in and talk to their bank and pay their bills and pay their taxes. and um, you know, manage their financial life with a healthcare talk. That basically
0: means the person can act as if they were the incapacitated person legally. It is
1: a a powerful document. Um, So obviously you would only give it to somebody you trust. Um, And um, there's sort of two types of powers of attorney. One is durable, which means like, you know, my father, if he gave me a durable power of attorney, I could even if he's not incapacitated, I could go in and and uh, handle transactions for him. If there's also a springing power of attorney, meaning I'm, you know, if, if two doctors say I I'm incapacitated, then the um, power of attorney would kick in. But that's an additional step. Right. So it depends on you know the family circumstances of which one you'd want. Now with a with a healthcare talk, um, you would. Ask your parents, okay, if you are unable to make medical decisions, who would you want to speak for you and follow your instructions? And so that's done with um, a healthcare power of attorney, or it's called a, a healthcare sur- surrogate. Sometimes it's combined with um, end of life wishes called advanced medical directives. Each state has a different way that they recognize it, that they um, have a form for it, so it's it's important. And I mentioned in this book that you know sometimes DIY is great for everything but estate planning, um, because a, an attorney will know um, what your state requires, so that there's no red tape when you try to, you know, go to the hospital and say, hey, my mother named me power attorney, so I can get information because now, you know, the, the HIPAA privacy practices, it's very difficult to get information, even on relatives. Um, So it's important that the doctor not then say, well, we can't, we don't recognize this form. you pulled off the internet, you know? So it's, you know, it's important to uh, have an attorney prepare that type of document and just for, to avoid hassles, to be quite frank.
0: Yep. So, the healthcare talk, I get that. I, I hadn't thought too much about that either. You know, I do take um, a couple of medications, you know, one, for example, for acid reflux, right? And if I went to the hospital, I guess what my husband could do is take my prescriptions with him mm-hmm. if he needed to. Um, but what if he couldn't find them, right? Like, who knows which one? You could have some in your drawer that you
1: don't take right. or some, you know, right. So, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, that that's that's huge. So that that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, my my bad for mixing that up with with the end end of life talk there. Um, oh no, yeah. Do you, do you want to go to end of life, or do you want to talk aging next?
1: Well, aging. Um, let's go with a let's sort of go chronological order. But you know, aging um, talk really encompasses of hey, mom and dad, um, how do you envision your life as you get older? Um, are you very adamant about? Uh, living in your home? And if so, how can we modify the home so you can age in place safely and securely Uh, and practically, right? Uh, And then, um, you know, if not, should we look at senior living options and see what is available to you? And that sort of dovetails back to the financial talk of, okay, you love this uh, retirement community that's, you know, like a country club, do you have the finances to afford that? You know, so a lot of these things you might be kind of cross, you know, going into different issues, but you know, the more you talk, I think the more open they'll be and realize that they'll realize that you're really there to help them to follow their instructions to make their dreams happen.
0: Yeah. And you're coming from a place of love and affection and care and concern and that's it.
1: Yes. Yes. And, 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 Um, another thing I might mention is that, you know, during this, these talks, you know, it should really be done with perhaps immediate family. You know, they may love your husband as much as their, their son, but, you know, when it comes to these type of discussions, they may not feel comfortable, uh, you know, uh, talking in front of your spouse about like, yeah, you know, we lost a lot of money in the housing market in the nineties. So, um, You know, it's something you want to be very sensitive to. And it's also not the time to bring up any past transgressions, either real or perceived or trying to rebalance things of like, hey, you know, you helped my sister with a down payment on her home and you never really did anything for me. You know, it's it's not about that. It's 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 just trying to get as much information as possible so that if you're in a situation where your parents can't communicate, you're not like, you know having a lot of stress of like, what would they want? What should I do? You know, like my mother is in the hospital, they're saying she can't live at home. Should I put her in a home? What should I you know what I mean? It's like if right. you have these conversations, you you know the path that you should take.
0: Well and I'm glad that you mentioned siblings. Mm-hmm. How should you handle these are so these are five conversations you should have with your parents. Should I say let's say it's me. I have a brother, I have a sister. My brother lives um, seven hours driving away from my parents. I live less than one. Mm -hmm. And my sister's 17. (laughs) Yes. How, you know, that's just a funny example, but how, Oh, should we all, it, would it feel like ganging up if the three of us talked with the two of them? It feels like we then outnumber our parents, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, and, and I sort of always ask somebody, and usually it's the person I'm talking to, because they're the ones asking the, what should I do about my parents? There's always sort of one sibling in the family who is the organizer. And it's, it's probably that person. And it's usually the person who's asking me the questions of like, how should I talk to my parents? How should I approach this type of thing? Because they're the ones who realize they're going to be handling those decisions when chaos happens, right? You know, Mm -hmm. doctors aren't going to go to the 17 year old saying like, oh, well, your, (laughs) your, 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 you know, father's in the hospital and he's dying. And uh, should we put him on a ventilator? You know, I mean, so um, really, there's there's usually sort of one organizer in the sibling group that um, can get this information and share. I mean, I believe in very open communication to the extent that it makes sense. So, you know, you may not share with a 17-year-old maybe like all the health history you find out because it may not be appropriate or financial history that may not be, that she doesn't really need to know. Um, or there could be other considerations of not sharing with, you know, an adult sibling. So, um, they may have like more than enough on their plate to, right? you know, so you don't want to overload
0: them. It's, you know, it's I, judgment
1: um... calls. And a lot of times that if, if sort of the organizing sibling who's getting this information and kind of puts it in one place, um, is there to answer questions to, um, you know, give information when information is needed, the rest of the siblings are sort of happy with them taking care of it because they know nothing's being done behind their backs because they if they ask a question, they get an answer. But, you know, many times they're happy with that situation of like, hey, let me know if you need me for anything, but I'm happy with you (laughs) handling
0: it all, right? Yeah. The organizing sibling. That's the nicest thing I've been called, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, yeah. (laughs) Bossy is another term, but still, it's the, <laughs> but usually there's one. And so that would, I would say would be the one um, to try and approach this.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And my, my father is one of five. And we have similar personalities. So I would say he's probably the organizing sibling, but he's also the closest to my grandmother. Right, he's mm-hmm. literally a five-minute drive away. So sometimes it seems like it's convenient for him to have the most information.
1: Well, and yeah, you have to judge your own family situation. And certainly, if the organizing uh, one is three thousand miles away, and the one who is you know kind of more the happy-go-lucky one is five minutes away, you know they would know a lot of things. And and maybe you do it in a joint thing, or you know, it's it's it really depends on your family situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great advice though. Um, All right. So we've covered the financial talk, the healthcare talk, the aging talk. So now what I was trying Mm -hmm. to get into earlier prematurely is the end of life talk. And this this must be the hardest one.
1: It is the the hardest one, but I would put to you, it's probably the most critical. And and I would say if there's one thing you can do um, is talk to your parents about if they are dying, they have a terminal illness for which they cannot recover. There is nothing that a doctor would be able to do to, um, you know, fix them. How do they want this to go? And it's, it's very, it's a difficult conversation, but I would put to you if they do not make, you know, their wishes known it's on the, the children, to make that decision. And everybody wants to do the right thing, but everybody has a different opinion of what the right thing is. So it is, it can lead to a lot of, um, family stress that doesn't need to be there. And so I would suggest that is like a critical thing to, to talk with your parents and, um, you know, so as part of advanced medical directives, you can give them different choices because they may not know what they want necessarily, but you can put to them certain things that they would say, oh, I I don't, I don't want that, you know, so sort of asking them different ways, you'll get the information you need, like where some are like, hey, do everything you can, you know, keep me in a coma because they might come up with a cure someday, or look, it doesn't make sense if, if it's at the end of my life and I I'm not going to get any better than what I am right now. Don't, you know, install a feeding tube at that point.
0: Mm -hmm. Don't. Well, and then there's, we're heading back into the financial conversation again. And it's a funny,
1: yes. But, um, you know, some parents have very definite views. So my father did have a very definite view of like, Hey, you know, I mean, he was the, he was the organizer in his family. So Mm -hmm. he, he said to me, you know, long before he got sick of like, if anything happens to me, um, don't go crazy. Don't, don't hook me up to anything. Let me go. You know, that's what I want. And he said, because I know your mother and (laughs) she would do everything she could and she would spend any amount of money to, um, to prolong my life. And it, it doesn't make sense. And I said, totally understand. And, uh, but, and, and I was frank with him. I said, if you were in that situation i know what your wishes are but at that point i'm not going to stand up to mom and contradict her it, right. it, you know i don't want to be in that position so i did tell him at that time um you have to go to an attorney and get a living will well he visited the attorney that's when he got all the other documents that you know really became so helpful to us because we used everything, you know, when he was hospitalized, we used the power of attorney. I was in Florida, he was in Delaware, but I got more information than my sister who was standing in the same room as him. Um, when, you know, he was hospitalized again, he, you know, I took over the finances and handled all the medical billing, you know, because my mother was too busy caring for my dad to take care of that, you know? Um, We knew what his wishes were, and that came into play, and it gave us a great deal of comfort because in that situation, instead of wondering what would he want, you're honoring their wishes. You're following what they would want, and that gives you a great deal of of peace at the time.
0: Does that happen often, Catherine, where someone wants one specific thing handled with estate planning, something that means a lot to them, and then that is kind of the impetus for getting the rest of it handled? Oh,
1: yes, many times. And a lot of times it will be uh, precipitated by an event. So it could be a death of another family member. You um, may be a sibling they have that they sort of say, wow, you know, now that sibling, um, their family is going through a nightmare of a probate, you know, mm. they, they can't, get things organized, you know, it just, the family's in chaos. And so they sort of say, wow, that's not what I want to have for my family. So sometimes it's it's an event like that. That
0: makes sense too. All right. So that's one through four. So number five is the family legacy talk. This, Which is my favorite talk. It's so a, little, <laughs> it's a little lighter
1: than the rest of them. It is. And, and the important thing is, you know, this should all be framed as as, you know, look, we want to, um, care for you as best we can. Um, because you took care of us. We want to take good care of you. And part of that is sort of like, leave us your legacy. Tell us the important family stories, get out all the photographs right on the back of them of like, okay, who was that extraneous cousin? And what was their story? You're going to find like so many amazing stories, history that would have been lost. Um, by doing this and also you know make sure you capture the family recipes cuz i you know i i tell this to clients and friends and everybody has a story of like yes if i could only get the you know it so it's it's things like you know how do you want to be remembered tell us stories that that we don't know i mean you're going to find some really wonderful things and it's such a it's such a comfort and so much fun to have this history so my father was a great letter writer and um you know, when he passed, um, different relatives put together all the letters that they received and, and gave it to my sister and I, and it's so wonderful to hear his voice and his sort of the way things were as they were happening. And, um, so, you know, don't let things like that get lost. So, you know, uh, breaking it out, um, you know, about the family legacy of, of what, how do they like to be remembered? What things did they you know, want to think about.
0: That's an amazing reminder. And it's so easy to literally record things now too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many
1: different technologies and, and things like that. And, you know, just to record them talking, I mean, can you imagine, you know, their great, great grandchildren being able to hear their voice or see their, the photo of like, how, what did they look like? How did they dress? What was, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's very, very cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, when my grandma has shown me pictures of her parents or her grandparents, it's it's black and white and, you know, they're almost not ever smiling, you know, back then. And if I think about my my brother just had his first child, so that's like leading off our next generation and, Mm -hmm. you know, she can have live in color, high definition videos of her great grandmas. I mean, of course, she's meeting them right now, but you know, they're not going to be around forever. And so that's really cool. And to, to think about all of the things that you can do to remember people, it's, I think that makes, once you have these conversations, I think that's a nice way as far as family legacy talk or that conversation goes is to lighten it up and be like, it's not all about health and aging and right. finances. Sometimes it's about, you know, the love and, you know, the culture and the the life that you've lived and passing that on too. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So we talked a little bit about um, ways to have these conversations and things to keep in mind. Do you want to talk about any other tips that you have for how people should handle these conversations? Well, um, one tip um, I should say is sort
1: of take notes as you're talking because um, because you may be having a number of different conversations. Uh, you want to refer back to your notes. So you can say, Hey mom, last time we talked, um, you know, you said uh, you wanted to uh, talk to an attorney about um, setting up a trust, you know, for the house and, you know, can, maybe should we make an appointment for that? Um, Or uh, another tip would be to um, put together, you know, as your, as you're having these conversations, putting together what I call um, a family information binder or a nine one one binder. So as you talk to them about their estate planning and get little pieces done, um, like if they have their their legal documents, their healthcare power of attorney or financial power of attorney, put it in one place, one binder. Um, because when you get a call from the hospital, that could be the place that you that could be the binder you take to the hospital but like okay doctor here's the power of attorney here's the list of medications they take here's you know uh other doctors that they talk to that you may need to get information from so it's you know when when a crisis happens um all you have to think about is is bringing the binder you know because it's such mayhem when uh, a parent is hospitalized or you know has a medical uh emergency that um, keep
0: the binder safe <laughs> and keep the binder safe yes
1: so um, I, and on my website, um, www.hotter, H-O-D-D-E-R-I-N-K.com, um, I have downloadable PDF forms um, for making your own binder. And that's something that um, sometimes I advise, like, look, if you're having a difficult time uh, with your parents getting information, just say, look, I'm filling out an information binder for my spouse and I to have because we know different pieces of our financial, medical, legal life and let me put together one for you and that way you can sort of say like oh well here's the space for your medical power of attorney let's talk about that you know sh- should we get one so um that's just another way of kind of <laughs> bringing up the conversations or yeah. get them kick started I should say
0: well yeah and we've talked a lot about the sandwich generation from that perspective, talking about your parents and your yourself and therefore protecting your children, but also sharing the information with your spouse. We touched on it, but that's hugely important, important too.
1: Yes. And, and because now people are so busy that, you know, some pe- some spouses handle one aspect and another spouse handles the other. And, you know, it's not till crisis that you're like, okay, where do they have that? What do I do? Um, So yes, having one organized place, um, is, is very,
0: very helpful. Yep. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners?
1: Um, you know, I, I, uh, talk about estate planning. I mentioned it's, it's like eating an elephant. It could seem so incredibly daunting. You know, you do it one bite at a time. So, you know, in the, in the book, as you mentioned, you know, the first part is get your own house in order, review what you currently have or what you may be missing, put together in a Uh, complete estate planning it's it's pretty simple you know it's things as basic as the first step is you know seeing what everything's titled as you know like yeah are are both spouses on the same bank account so you both have access to it and if not um how would the spouse get to the account if they needed to or um and you you may be surprised that there's some things that you know aren't properly titled and some things you have to correct Um, so it's, it's a simple 10 step process to put together your own complete estate plan. And then the second part of the book is now talk to your parents because you come from a place of knowledge and you know, the questions that are asked and things contemplated. And you can say, look, this is what my husband and I decided to do. How would you do it? And parents love to give advice. So, um, (laughs) that's another way, you know, to kind of get them on board. So, um, but don't become like oh my god it it's this huge thing that i have to accomplish all at once it's it's a it's a it's a bit of a journey that you'll be chipping away at but um you know any amount of time you put in it will come back to you of you'll be so glad you did it and uh have their wishes down and know how they want things handled because trying to do it you know after the fact is it's just incredibly difficult
0: is there any age or life cycle stage that is too young to get their estate planning in order? Well, you know,
1: I, I honestly think that um, if somebody has is sort of in their 20s, um, a lot of people make the mistake of, like, look, I don't have any money. What do I need an estate plan for? But again, estate planning is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, you would ask that person, okay, so say you're living with your girlfriend, boyfriend, and you're hospitalized. Well, your girlfriend, boyfriend, unless you name a a medical power of attorney, if you're hospitalized, they can't get any information on you, you know? So, uh, you know, what is important to you at the time? Um, or they may have, um, uh, a pet and what happens to the pet because a pet is considered property. Um, you know, a lot of people don't really, yeah, I don't have money, but Oh my God, what would happen to my pet if I, if I wasn't around, like who would care for that? So it's just sort of planning for different, um, contingencies in life because, um, as people live longer, there's more chance of being hospitalized, being temporarily disabled, um, because we're living so long. So these things will come into play of like, what happens if you're unavailable to pay your bills or, uh, who's going to make medical decisions for you when you can't? So, um, I, you know, I think that's that's a, a very important thing. That even if you don't have money, you still have things to protect.
0: Yep, that makes so much sense. Um, and as I was reading your book, normally I, I tell a guest or I ask my sister what she learned, or I tell a guest what I learned. And when I was reading your book, I really I went through everything, and I was like, okay. I need to make sure my beneficiaries are in order because <laughs> because beneficiaries pass outside of the will. I Absolutely. Learned, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I have a will, but if I did, mm-hmm. I'm getting there, you know, baby steps. But right. I was like, well, let me just check my beneficiaries, like, do-to-do. Do. And I'm checking everything, and um, almost everything was easy to check. I noticed in my Vanguard that my dad was still my beneficiary and not of my course. husband. We've been married for a year. Yeah. So I changed that to my husband and I told my husband to check his and he checked his, but we um, have like our checking accounts, like our, our, you know, like our quote unquote family operating accounts at chase and at chase, you have to go to the branch to change beneficiaries. You can call the number to confirm them, Mm -hmm. but you need to go to the branch to, to actually change beneficiaries. So, um, my husband was going, I, I put some money into our joint account. I transferred money into our joint account because we needed some cash for the house. We're remodeling the house. And I don't know if it's furniture or whatever he needed. So he goes and he goes through the drive through and he's like, I need $3,000 from the joint account. And the teller's like, okay, you know, here you go. And he's like, Hey, just out of curiosity, out of curiosity, what, um, what are my beneficiaries? And, you know, what are, and basically what it came down to was the teller looked at him really funny. Like it looked like he, he was very specific about, I need to take the money out of the joint account. And the teller was like, your beneficiaries or your wife's beneficiaries. <laughs> and he was like, mine. And I'm like, oh my God, this teller thought he was like taking out three grand out of our joint account to put a hit on me or something. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Two questions back to back. But they were like, <laughs> We can't tell you about your beneficiaries in the drive through And he's like, yeah. okay, thanks. I'm just like, <laughs> but I wanted you to know I'm working on
1: it. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I will, I, I, I do this with my clients all the time. Like you will be shocked. You will think you have everything neatly, even the organized ones. There is something out there that needs to be corrected. Everyone has it. And there's something because people switch jobs because people, you know, get busy or they have different accounts and, you know, open things, close things like even like, you know, you have a, a CD that you forgot about or something through work that you forgot about, you know, it, if you go through it, you will find something that needs to be
0: corrected. Yep. Absolutely. I haven't gotten to the chase branch yet, but we opened that after we got married. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's probably him, but I will get there. Um. Well, Catherine, again, thanks so much for joining me. Managing money is a huge part of adulting. Understanding how to talk to your parents about their finances, healthcare, aging, end of life and family legacy is so important. Um, would you like to tell people how they can connect with you? I know you said it's That's com for your downloadable PDFs. And I'm sure they can find your book there, but is there anything else that you want them to know about?
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, on the, the website, um, you know, you can get downloadable PDF forms um, to make your own um family information binder. Uh my book can be found at barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. And also uh I have social media. Um it's at symbol san s a n gen G-E-N life l-i-f e and that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: All right, and I will put those in the show notes as well. Um, and everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy. I'm also on Facebook at the same name. You can email me at real is easy at gmail.com or show support at com slash adulting is easy. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hopefully we've made adulting a little easier for you.